Welcome to Sanctuary First, to the Friday Night Weekly Review, and it's Albert Bogle here, representing, and also on our panel, our usual guests, or uh, not our usual guests, but our usual panellists, Laurel Dagen. Hello. And Ian Jimison. Hey, so. <laughs> and joining us tonight is Scott Shackleton, who is also part of the wider uh, Sanctuary First Ministry team. Great to have you with us again tonight, Scott. Hi, Albert. And uh, also behind the scenes is Ray Major, as usual, just keeping the technology going and making sure we're all safe online. So there we go. Sanctuary First. Uh, you were saying, Ian, you didn't know the height of Laura. No. Well, I can tell you she's the height of nonsense. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? It was weird this week because I, I, met, I met somebody in real life that I've only ever known virtually. Right, which is so rare, right? And and it, they came to the practice to pick up some stuff, and I've only ever known this girl on a Skype call or a, or a video call, Zoom call or whatever, and she's this tiny wee person. I'm like, you're a munchkin, and I didn't know it. <laughs> well, I'm the same. I'm the same, Ian. I I I do say I'm five foot, but I'm not quite. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, fantastic! Oh, that that you know that I cannot wait to meet you one day in real life. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's what we say to the Lord. I can't wait to see you one day in real life, but not this week. <laughs> so there we go. What kind of week have you had, Ian? Oh, listen, man, it's been it's been a tough week. Um, you only have to look at the news to know what a tough week it's been. Um, and hearts, prayers, everything go out to everybody involved. Um, yeah, difficult time. Uh, in, in, in our local vicinity, which has been hard, hard, hard for yeah. people. But my thoughts and prayers and love just goes out to all of them, as I'm sure does everybody watching this podcast just now. Um, other than that, it's been a mad week um, in general practice land. Absolutely mad. Um, you know, so many people are just finding the whole lockdown thing, you know, they're coming to the end of their rope. And, and, and then they're coming to us at the end of the rope. Uh, and it's very difficult because, you know, you, everybody's experiencing the same thing. And you yourself are experiencing something of the same thing. Um my worry, though, is that in the background, uh, you know, there is actually a, th- th- there are lots of real, you know, illnesses. And when I say real, what I mean is serious, investigatable, findable things that we physical, can then physical things that people physical can... things exactly, Albert. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I can see the head of steam building um, as we start to come out of lockdown, and I look around at colleagues who are tired. And they've been under stress for a long period of time. And that's what nobody realises, that there's been so much stress. And, you know, the people doing the vaccines are the same people that are in your GP surgery during the day. The people doing out of earth care, you know, that's the same guys. Um, it's There are a finite number of doctors in Scotland. That's just the reality. There are a finite number of nurses. Um, and all of these people are doing all these different things. And they are pretty much at the end of their... A lot of people are really at the end of what they can do. Um, but we keep on going. We keep on, you know, we keep on keeping on, as they say. 
Um, and we. But at some point, when it's they're going to have to. It's just going to be. I, 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 keep I, it going. I think that's the thing, Albert. I think what I think that's what the public expect, though, because for the public, it will be. Oh, we can relax. But then you can't because then you're going to pick up all these other things that's there. Suddenly the floodgates open and you have the floodgates washing over an already tired and stressed workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes for quite a a worrying situation in the future. However, um, I'm not the only one to notice this. Um, And uh, I think we're beginning to think about this and make plans for this, um, you know, and try and ensure that you know we're not gonna we're not gonna lose uh, healthcare professionals to stress, illness, ill health. Um, you know doctors who are just not performing well enough to be doctors anymore for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'm... we could be encouraging retired people to come on and build the the ranks up for a three or four years time. Is that a possibility to get people back again? I, I, I think that's a really good thing because what I found and and. One of the wonderful things I find, I have a wonderful colleague, he knows who he is, he'll never see this podcast, but he knows who he is, and some people watching this might know who he is, and you know, he's he's coming on in years and he's still giving himself to the practice of medicine, um, and looking after doctors, and looking after the health of a population, Um, and I have nothing but admiration for that, nothing but admiration. Um, you know that he's kind of kept that going, but and and my retired my retired partner Satish, absolutely brand new guy, he's still working away there in the background. He's still working away doing shifts here, there, and you know just keeping things going. So there are actually these retired guys are still doing bits and bobs, and and a lot of them came forward to become vaccinators and to join the, you know, they're trying to make people better. But actually, do you know where we're going to need that wisdom? that guidance, that experience, it's actually going to be at the other end of the pandemic. Yeah, uh-huh. Do you know, it's um, the same, yeah, I'm just I, thinking, Ian, it's the same, it's the same kind of thing in the church just now. The Church of Scotland certainly is depending a great deal on its retired ministers because yeah. so much of the, the stuff that's happening in parishes couldn't happen if it wasn't for retired people who are coming back to do an odd shift or do do their you know do their ministerial work, but doing it in you know maybe two or three acting as locums, you know. So, but that's all going to change. I mean, I, I'm sure all of this is changing, and you know the future of how we do church, just like so many things, is not going to be the same. As, but isn't that but isn't that the Christian message of nothing is wasted? Yeah, absolutely, and nothing stays the same. Yep, you know. Yeah, I think it's this this change. But here, here our theme tonight. You know, you know, I was, I'll pick up with you in a minute, Scott. Just to ask you what your week's been like. But our theme tonight is: don't despise small things. Don't despise the small beginnings. You know, and it's the story of Zerubbabel uh, rebuilding the temple, uh, the second temple. And uh, again, it's the don't don't despise the, the day of small beginnings because God can do great things in people's lives, but it's the small things. And we'll maybe get on to talking about uh, about Captain Tom, which takes us into the military side. But uh, a wee word to you, Scott. What's your week been like? Um, I've had a great week. Um, work, work has been good. Um, it's been challenging. Um, I think it's been quite rewarding. And it's Friday. So... Um, yeah. 
I'm quite pleased about oh. that. Um, <laughs> and I'm not working on Sunday, so I can uh, sit back and enjoy worship and not have to lead it. So, um, yeah, no, it's been okay. I've, I've, uh, we've had a good week. I think um, some interesting work done with the ethics program. Um, that that's that's uh, like building the temple in Jerusalem. It's never ending, right. uh, and just when you think you've got to the top of the hill, um, it it, get, it gets knocked over again. You have got to rebuild it, yeah. uh, like Nehemiah. No, no, it's been good. Thanks. So I've enjoyed it, and um, but I'm glad it's Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I was speaking to someone today, and that's what they were saying. They were glad it's Friday night because the kids were also having, I think there was three days holidays next week as well. So it was only two days at school, so not so much homework for them to 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 supervise. But it's just as you were saying, Ian, I just think so many people are at their wit's end, especially young families and the young, young parents, say, who are working and then trying to also be school teachers at the same time. All, all not easy. It, it, but, you know, I've, I've actually felt um, really... I, I, I've always felt blessed to do what I do. I think what I do is a privilege. Um, but uh, I have felt especially blessed to have children that are too old for homeschool. Um, I'm oh, delighted wow. that I don't have that to look forward to. My, on my, I don't have days off, but you know, on the days that I'm physically in the home, uh, when my partners work from home, they are working. They're actually working. They're doing their job. Um, and they're doing their job the whole day long. Uh, but their kids don't know they're doing the job. <laughs> and their wives are also working are like, well, you're at home. You're like, no, 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 but I'm working from home. <laughs> so, no, I, I have to say, I'm, I, I'm made up to do what I do, and I'm so glad my kids are too old for that because I think that would be tough, tough work, man. I think Keep it really is tough work for people. We really need to find ways to encourage people and to, to and give them that. I mean, I, I. You know, I just think it's just such an important thing that people are doing, but it's very, very hard for them. We briefly oh. touch on it, and I've got a new podcast coming out um, on Monday. Uh, you should be advertising on this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Oh, I am getting a new podcast. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was. I mean, we start the podcast. I tried to my records, but she goes right in there with the podcast. <laughs> but we do touch it because um, it's um, it's a new one that that um, it seemed to um, well, we're, we're talking about women in the Bible. You know, it's um, and and the guests that we've got, um, it's myself and Linda Pollock, and we had one of my friends on. Moira Winterskill, and we were talking about um, Hagar, but also because what we want to do in this podcast is talk about women in the Bible, but also look at you know issues that are happening just now that are affecting women, and uh, and uh, homeschooling was something that we spoke about, we touched on, but it's not just women that it's affecting; it's affecting all family, you know, Absolutely. like so, my, grandparents mother... as well. When, when are you publishing that 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 podcast on Sanctuary First? Uh, Monday. Monday. It comes out on Monday. Yes. Mm-hmm. That Friday. is well. Going to be brilliant, Laura. Well done. Seriously, well done. Yeah. That is that is so cool. So we'll have a wee blog to go alongside it. You, you 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 might not be saying that next week once you've listened. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be a fan. That's brilliant. Oh, good. 
Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do, so, what do you feel? I wouldn't be having a blog anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian and I did. Ian was threatening to do a uh, not to do a blog, but a podcast. Maybe when all this is over, when all your busyness is over with COVID. We can do that podcast that we've been talking about yeah. with theology. Yeah. I think that'd be a good get Scott involved in that, the kind of yeah. theology one and all that kind of uh, stuff. Absolutely. We were talking about getting everybody, I mean, everybody, yourself as well, yeah. you know, just involved in, you know, thinking about some bits of theology. And, you know, are you, many, 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 many years ago, we used to have a podcast called Theology Bits. And we talked to people of really quite markedly different ideas to our own and we would interview them and talk to them about mm. their faith and their beliefs and why they believed what they believed and um, we had some really interesting people on it. You know, we had a nun who was amazing just she was just the gentlest wonderfulest woman you've ever met and we had a, 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 a spiritualist on um, and I was like, have any of my, my ex-patients been asking for me? Um, <laughs> anything that you want to tell me, I'm, t- tell them I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and she's like, it doesn't work quite like that, Ian. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, I guess what I mean is it was, it, it was a fascinating idea of, you know, things like, you know, what constitutes a just war and these kind of big questions with people who were inculcated into that world. Yeah. The supernatural in a sense. We, God is so natural in fact that I would never really call Christian faith in any way supernatural. In fact, it's hypernatural Christian faith. Um, mm. But it was so interesting though to speak to people who had these kind of beliefs um, you know about life after death, for example, which is a belief shared by us, by our culture. Um, so that was so interesting to talk to him, and, and maybe one day, Albert, you know, you and me and 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 the team will will maybe get that maybe, podcast. Maybe, move into a new area of discussion. Yeah, well, that might be interesting. So, listen, this week our theme uh, we were looking at this week was uh, this new area, the parable of social distancing. What do we learn? What is the what what the what is that parable? And my idea was that if people could hear more stories about social distancing and more parables that come out, you know, because a parable is a like we were told at Sunday school, it's a an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, you know. And what stories about social distancing can we draw out that become parables that become a stories with a heavenly meaning or with a a, a deep spiritual meaning for us to go away and contemplate. You know, I think that's this whole month is to really be thinking about that. And one of the areas I've been thinking about is this week has been about holiness. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's these words that we've been talking about, we're going to be talking about all this month, about holiness, eh, about freedom, about communion, and about love. Eh, these ontological words, this is theology, but it, it's a... Eh, Theology in 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 the moment as we experience it, and how do we how, how does how do what do we learn? How does the parable of social distancing talk into these topics? These these words. One of your um, one of your reflections this week, Albert, when when holiness breaks the influence of evil, 
I I I was really struck by the question that you ask in that as um, how many in our congregations are possessed by the same spirit of fear, and you know we are fearful um, to take Jesus and His words into our hearts, and we have allowed evil to distance us from the gospel, and we've allowed evil to push back. Um, the Jesus Manifesto. And I know in like um my connect groups this week, we were really interested in that passage. It's the same passage that we had looked at um on Sunday um mm-hmm. in the service um with the evil spirit in the synagogue. Um and I it's I, it really um I know that it really you know it really um, was it interesting people? It got a big lot of discussion going around it. Where I'm so it did. Sometimes there can be an evil spirit within a, a, a Christian community, just moving around, causing disruption and a mm. spirit of discontent and a spirit of um, malcontent and break. You know, mm. you know, and that's why many people have left church sometimes, just mm-hmm. because of the the infighting or the. The, the atmosphere of of hidden agendas and uh, people working against one another yeah. and uh, and really opposed to anything sometimes that's going to bring about change or it's going to change somebody's domain or someone's area of power it's an interesting thing about power as well uh, that you know that, that the people notice the Jesus power and authority but it's this power thing that can happen within Within all communities, whether if you talk, if you take a community, you know, even like in a golf club or in a, in, in you know, in a bowling club or in a cycling oh, club. Come on. We, we, we just saw it with that wee um, parish council that went viral recently on the internet. Yeah. You must have heard of it. I mean, yes, I, I think nothing else in the news today. But, you know, that parish council that that meeting that goes so badly awry um, that it's become a viral phenomenon. Have you, have you, have you seen this? I've heard of it. Yeah, but I haven't seen it, but honestly, just, just ridiculous. Um, But, but that's a good, that's such a good example though of, I mean, although it's funny and it is funny. um, And although, you know, seeing people have such a dysfunctional Zoom call is, is very funny. It's um, not for them. What, there is a serious part of that, and the serious part of is who has the power, and who is happy enough to let go of the power, and what does it mean to be a leader? And I've said this before in the podcast, and I'll say it again: a, a leader is somebody who sits in a room full of leaders. Mm-hmm. That's what a leader is. A leader will sit in a room full of leaders, mm-hmm. and they'll listen to what's happening. Um, and at the same time, they'll bring that together at the end, but without it being um, discord. Or if there is discord, sometimes decisions have to be made. But it was so interesting to see the power play. Mm-hmm. So there's so obvious power play between these people. And, you know, it, it's funny, but it's not funny. It's not it's funny. Not and I'm sure it wasn't. Do you know what? I'm sure that for those people that were kicked off the call and you know, had really lost their rag online. I don't think that was funny for them at all. I don't think that was funny. I think they really saw and, and felt deeply about what they did. Um, and and by, by what they did, I mean who they felt they were. 
That's something about humility then, Albert. It's, yeah, this whole area, just as you were saying, it's uh, this the spirit of, you know, sometimes, I don't know, Scott, if you've noticed this, but even within church sessions or within meetings, meet people individually and they're the nicest people in the world, but get them within a group and the herd mentality can yeah. happen. And yeah. somebody can, and, and all of a sudden, somebody's ganged up upon. Yeah. And the whole thing goes bananas. It goes bananas. It would be funny sometimes think if Billy Connolly was your session clerk. Um, you know, can you imagine Big Billy sat there uh, with the minutes of the meeting, uh, asking people to come forward and make their committee reports? Um, I think it'd just be funny. Um, it, which reminds me of a, a meeting that I chaired uh, in a church a while ago, uh, where there was such discord and disagreement that. that two people actually left the meeting. Um, and the next agenda item was a discussion on sexuality in the church. Um, and we had to show, uh, we had to show somebody or something like that. And I remember thinking, actually, to, to the, the local folk, the upset was a local thing. And actually, it was more important than debating the sexuality thing that was causing all the headlines in, in uh in Edinburgh at the time and in the newspapers. Uh-huh. And, it, and it just reminded me that it, it's very easy for us to think uh, of the things that bother people are not the things that bother people at all. And and the key uh, is understanding your people in some ways. Uh, and um, I think Ian's right. I think the key to, to courageous leadership and wise leadership is an ability to hold a room without dominating a room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but that comes also with a followership, and the the um, uh, I think it was easier in previous generations of ministries to have a followership that, that I think is is harder now. I think you're maybe right. I think you're maybe right in that. So this and theme, it's not it's not a criticism. It's just no. a it's an observation about how it's more difficult in some ways for us all so, to move together. Because I had actually, that was actually something I was thinking about, Scott, whenever um, it was the Albert's um, reflection this week about should we fear God? And um, it's like if we're called to fear God, shouldn't we also be um, revering, uh, learning that social distance is to revere another who is made in, in his image? And it got me thinking about this. You know, because, you know, the people about how individualistic, you know, our society is. And that, and that, that I think, is where, you know, this is where we're getting problems, I think, where before people could maybe see more about the collective, they could see, you know, what was best for the bigger group, you know, and meetings and things like that and within the church. But I think now we are really focused on, well, what matters to me? How's this going to affect me? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, that, that's um, I think that's a big a big issue. And you think I wonder if uh, thinking about the parable of social distancing is will this change how we feel? You know, as a collective again. You know, will we still have this? You know, going towards this drive for 
you know individuality you know and like what what I want is you know oh I, this is my right and this is what I have to have and it's really important that you know I get it or I'm heard or, then well what's best for everybody you know in the in the group well we're kind of learning a wee bit of that aren't we that we've got to stay at home because it's best for everyone even if you're not too sure about the vaccine you're going to take the vaccine because it's best for everyone. Mm. So there's been a, a challenge of this love and law thing going on, a rule and law, rule and law, you know, of a, a rule and love, rule and love, which is uh, getting us to start thinking about um, it, what builds true relationship is when we think of community before we think of the individual. And I think that's, I think that's where... <laughs> I think that's what we've got to regain again, and I think we've, I think that some of that philosophy was actually brought into out of Reformation theology, which is a lot of individualism stuff. We need to think much more about community and go, you know, go back into a more a more biblical, you know, first century understanding of what it might be to be church in small but, but, groups. But, you're so right, Albert. What what I would say though is that um, what what happened in a sense is you know um, the likes of Facebook the likes of social media is very focused on the self and the portrayal of the self is the best self you know the finest video the best cut um, and you have to try quite hard if you're doing anything an artistic for example to make it an honest true live cut which is what I do um, when I play songs I'll, I will literally just play them I'll not they're not beefed up they're not it's not the 27th take it is that's the take there you are um, you know I'll, I'll practice the chords first but what I'm really getting at here is that you know we are siloed as individuals and yet we are meant to amplify the individual so we have this kind of tautology between um we do things for the greater good. And by the way, we do not hear enough of the good news stories in this country in our media. We hear lots about yeah. people having yeah. parties, but these are few and far between. Actually, the majority yeah. of people, toe the line, they stay at home and they do what they're told because they know that they could infect somebody else. I, I, I was involved in a thing, and in that thing it was very dramatic and very serious. And I did what I would naturally do, and that is to approach somebody um, to talk with them about what had just occurred. Um, and that person realised there was a social distancing thing, and they backed away. Um, and that taught me a, a bit of a lesson, you know, about uh, to remember. But it also showed me it also showed me something really important, and that was, do you know what? Other people really get it. They really get it. And I'm a professional. I deal with it every day. And for a couple of seconds, I almost didn't get it. And then I got it. And then, of course, there was no no closeness, no further closeness than, than could be had by social distancing. So I think we don't hear enough good about that. The other thing is, I don't think we're celebrating enough about the unity of, of our society, actually. Because we have had... A horrific number of fatalities to COVID-19. But I'm going to say one thing. We count things to the very nth degree in UK PLC. So people may have had all sorts of things happen to them after 
after their infection with COVID-19. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. But our science is such that we continually question until we have an answer. And that's why we have the figures we have. It's not all as portrayed. Having said that, it's a huge amount of people in this country that have succumbed to this virus. Far more per head of population than, uh, than most countries in the world. This being said, we still don't celebrate the fact that actually it could have been much worse. I mean, it's bad, but it could have been much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And it's not that's, I'm not being apologist by saying that. What I'm saying is I'm celebrating the fact that there is community here. And and do you know what? The people that join in on a Sunday service, there is community there. And I was at the funeral of one of my patients who I really liked and unfortunately they they they, they died recently and but I was at the funeral virtually from my home, but I was there, I was present, you know, in the in that moment. Um and I wanted to be there. I wanted to honour that person um by being there. And I and, and this is being replicated up and down the country and the last thing I'm going to say you want me to shut up now I know but the last thing I'd like to say is this love doesn't know boundaries time or space it doesn't it doesn't know these things love is a thing that you feel and that you know in your heart and love can sometimes be the word through the video call or the third hand word from a healthcare provider or it could be the chance comment that somebody says. But th- but love is eternal. And love transcends all boundaries. And sure, and, and I'm sure, I, 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 I almost know this to be true. People listen to this podcast. People who don't listen to this podcast, they understand that. They understand that simple message. Mm-hmm. That love transcends time, space, barriers, hospitals death, everything. It's always there. I think what I was wanting to maybe have a wee discussion about bringing Scott, if, if, you know, and maybe others, but this idea of uh, the small beginnings. I was thinking, I've just been thinking this week in, in the UK, those of you looking, those of you listening from other parts of the world might not be aware of of the uh, of, of, um, Sir Tom uh, our Captain Tom and his uh, amazing um, feat of starting out an old gentleman of, 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 uh, to celebrate his 100th birthday goes out to raise a £1,000 for um, the National Health Service during a pandemic and ends up raising £39 million. But he started off with one step at a time. And I think it's just an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was at a an old soldier, Scott. No, he was, and um, I, I think what's interesting is that um, it was how Tom's example um, and and history of who he was inspired people to give their money, and and it was the, the, the inspiration. It was like a spark that that got the thirty nine million going, um, uh, which is somewhat similar to the Christian story, if we're really honest about it, because the spark was was a peasant from Nazareth uh, who changed history. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, to all intents and purpose, the Christian narrative should have died and um, been utterly irrelevant in terms of world politics. 
Um, so it shows you, you know, we're, we're, we're reminded about the people of Israel, a very small people who were chosen by God and, and how, again, the people of Israel uh, have have changed the world. So from from uh, small acorns, as, as the, the parable goes, grow mighty oaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Captain Tom was like that. There's Harry Bridgen, the, the army commando, who, who's down in the West Country with us here. 60 years he's been raising money for the Royal British Legion and collecting uh, in the last 20 years in, in St. Austell every day raising £5,000, and um, last year he got an MBE. So, you know, um, the, the loyalty and dedication of, of the small people, and um, and that's what church is. Church is just full of ordinary small people trying to do their best, and um, and we'll all fall out sometimes, but on the whole, we get on pretty well. Mm-hmm. And the church in itself at a local level is transformative, and I think... I think Ian's right. It's it's very easy to focus on the negatives, which we often do in the church, but but we need to start telling the good news stories about things like the Vine Trust, which I know Albert you're very very involved in, and created. I mean that's a miracle, the Vine it's Trust story. And um, maybe um, maybe we won't have Billy Connolly as the session clerk, but certainly I think a bit more humour um, always gets us through. It's the British way. Um, and and we've got heroes up and down the country at the moment. Um, uh, you know, just remarkable human beings. Um, I did a funeral this week for a lady, and you know, um, wife of a Royal Marine commando, uh, served in the Korean War, and and that her life was a life dedicated to the service, wife, and families. And um, she goes yeah. to heaven uh, and will be duly rewarded. She she was an angel. And yet, yet no one will really know her apart from the local people. So that was a privilege for me to lead, lead that service this week. Mm-hmm. It's just small steps. <clears throat> I think that's what we're trying to encourage people to think about, which Ian has got his back to be thinking about tonight, about just celebrating the goodness mm. that's around in our communities. But the small yeah. steps that people make and encouraging others. And I think that's the whole to- thing too about... Uh, about Sir Tom was he encouraged others to say we can do the same and it, and it was older people uh, who, who who have also been inspired to say we, we are not finished we're not because we're old that doesn't mean to say that we can't we can't contribute and what an example what an example but, but, but Albert do you know how can you be small how can you be small when you give yourself to others because when you give yourself to others and you allow others in, that makes you bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. Mm. How can you be small? Who is small when they give themselves to others? How is that even possible? Do you know what? Even in physics, that doesn't work. Right? Energy transforms. How can you be small when you give yourself to other people? I, I, I think that Commander Tom, his story and... and you know Scott's story as well, and you know the story of the of of my patient. It just it kind of blew me away. Do you know the effect that mm-hmm. one person has on everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know we should, but but do you know the problem with a lot of our social media is that it puts like a, a storefront on who we are, but who we are is not that. Who we are is the kind word. Who we are is the is when we're allowed to the person that takes your hand 
Who we are is the person that you pick up the phone to. Who we are is the guy that says, do you need a good lawyer? They're joking, but they're not actually not really joking. Do you need a friend? If you need a friend, I'm here. Right? That's powerful stuff, man. That is the real power. Um, and that is what Christianity embodies in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what Christ was. That, surely, Albert, correct me if I'm wrong, and Scott and Laura, you guys are the, as I say, you're the, you're the theologians here. But wasn't that what Christ was all about? Christ was all about giving himself, being a servant, washing people's feet, being humble. You know, being humble yet being commanding. Yeah. You can marry those two things. That is honestly what's going to change the world, I think. And that's what Commander that's what Captain Tom did in a way, didn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, and he and I, th- those words ring ring in my head, that recording of him saying, We will get through this, the sun will shine again. We'll all be together again. I find that so moving. Do you know what I mean? This old man, he's given us wisdom. And and Scott, you're right. The reason we respect that wisdom is because of a decision he took so many years ago, we can barely count them, to go off and to fight for his country. Yeah. yeah. But that's the reason we take him seriously. He yeah, didn't know the effect of that action would be when he was 90 years old. He didn't know that the work of his life would be when he was 90 years old. How could he know? So how can we know, as we travel through life, the effect that we're going to have? No, I know. You're right. And sometimes we'll never know. And when we get to glory, we'll discover the real effect of our lives and the people who whose lives were changed because we something that happened that we weren't even aware of. You yeah. know, I mean, I it's think- interesting. The, the the biblical story it keeps on reminding us that everybody was about 1,500 years old when they seemed to do something useful for God. You know, um, they were certainly 999, Albert, so there's there's hope for us all. Um, but but there was a purpose behind these, these big numbers, of course. They weren't accurate, but they were parabolic in that when the time is right, God will use us, and there, there will always be a time when we are on this earth that God can use us. So um, we have to be careful about categorizing people over age. You know, um, what we're learning is um, that, that people like Captain Tom um, can do the most amazing things at the age of 100. And I think it offers great hope for the church because as, as our church is largely made up of older people, that doesn't mean that we can transform the world. And, and exactly. that surely has to be a great encouragement if uh, we, we say to our people, we're glad you're here. We're, oh, this yes. is your time, and we need exactly. your. You need we need I, your energy and wisdom. Absolutely, I think that's a great message. We're glad you're here, and we need you, and we need your time, and we need your experience, and we also need your radical wisdom. Yeah, because sometimes the people who are the most radical within the groups are the people who are older. They've seen it all, and they've got almost nothing to. They've, they're not trying to. They're not trying to prove anything. They just want the best. And, yeah, and it absolutely. back to what you said at the beginning, Albert. What about the retired GPs? What about the retired nurses? What about that lot? You know, what about bringing them back? Oh my goodness, what a font of wisdom. 
What a font yeah. of my wisdom. Father's, my, fa- my father's 93 and my mother suggested he might want to take it a wee bit easy. Um, and his, his answer, it was a couple of years ago, he said, well, Margaret, he said, did St. Paul retire? You know, and whilst he, he can't physically do as much as he used to do, his, his heart is still full, full of energy and zeal for, for the Lord. So, um, you know, however you deliver that, whether it be by an act of kindness or a phone call, or using IT, um, you know, th- this is one of the things that social media empowers us to do, which allows people who are physically disabled, perhaps for various reasons, to contribute. Absolutely. And we're finding that in Sanctuary First, we've got members in our community who are physically de- de- debilitated at the moment, but they're certainly not spiritually debilitated mm, they're actually absolutely. contributing a great deal to our our, our, our community feel, um, and mm-hmm. they're really able to use their gifts in this um in this medium you know because you know really be able to shine it's uh, and it's it's wonderful to see you know this mm. you know to be able to have you know so many people within your community you know, be able to contribute and be able to give fully of themselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and to be fair, something like Sanctuary First is enabling people perhaps to be be um, more socially connected than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, certainly over many years. Um, and, and so, again, just because you can't physically meet, we, <clears throat> perhaps we're meeting more regularly with our families because of our forced uh, lack of physical contact, especially with people uh, separated from their families by distance now because of jobs. We must yeah. never forget, though, that love doesn't isn't a physical thing. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you go up to another person or, or even yourself and you um, put your hands together like this, you'll actually start to find your your fingers tingle yeah yeah um that's because we all exude some kind of something beyond ourselves um i find it quite amazing and wonderful um and uh and yet we have the same thing in a room you know when you sit in a room with another person another person maybe in pain or uh i mean you guys certainly with spiritual troubles uh with me with physical troubles but there is something about being in that room that changes everything um, and, and helps the, the right decision, the right thing to be made. We we are creatures who need to be social, but we yeah. need to remember there are things about us that are they, they transcend time and space. They are not bound by the constraints of mere physicality. This is wonderful and quite magical, but it's mere physicality. It's yeah. not the the absolute granularity and knowledge that somebody else really loves you. Do you know? And sometimes, and, and you'll all feel it from time to time, you'll maybe turn around to somebody that you know, or that's a friend or whatever, and you'll feel it in your heart, just a wee flutter in your heart that says, I want to tell this person that I really love them. Do you know what? Here's the good news, guys. Just go and do it. Right? Just go and do it. Nobody <laughs> ever got by somebody else saying, do you know, I really care about you. I really care how you're feeling. I really do love you. Nobody ever got offended by that. So don't be scared to do it. And I think we do get scared by our upbringing. What might happen if I say that? Yes. Well, 
nothing bad, probably, to be perfectly honest. Um, unless it's a slightly inappropriate kind of love, and then, well, maybe something bad will happen then. But, you know, but generally, generally, <laughs> if you feel that, though, I, I, I think it's so important because nobody ever, nobody ever passed on from this life or, or got to the end of their life or had a really bad time that regretted not telling other people that they loved them. I think so. And this is what this parable, if I'm getting back to our themes this week of the parable of social distancing, I think the parable of social distancing may very well be telling us that we miss one another. You know, and we need need to find ways to express that. But you know, this actually being able to, because see whenever, I've said it before, I'm a person that likes, I like to be able to feel people's energy. You know, I like to be able to like read the body language, but most of all, feel the energy that's coming from people and the emotions that are, you know, emanating from them. And I'm finding now that, and it really upset me for quite a while that I couldn't, I couldn't do this. But what I'm finding now is, is like, I'm, I'm starting to just trust and actually the sense that I'm getting whenever I'm seeing them on a screen, when I'm hearing their voice and just trusting with that. And then and actually trusting as well with kind of the feeling that God's given me about that person. And I'm finding, well, and, and Ian, I'm having the courage as well to, to say what I'm feeling, you know? So it's like before I would rely on, well, the actual energy that's coming, but now I'm just, I'm like, I'm having the courage to say, ah, I'm, I'm sensing that, you know, maybe you're not, there's something, you know, not quite right with you the day, or are you a bit down, or, or whatever. And you, you wouldn't be able to tell from looking, but there's just that sense. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And so it's, it is, it's, I think there's, there's something in this, it is magical, you know, because this being distant for each other, but at the same time, it can really, if we, if we trust, we can become closer together. And that man right there is the Holy Spirit. That's who that is. That's actually the real power. That's the real source. Do you know what I mean? We've we've been used to short circuiting that because we're human beings and we're we're kind of we're kind of hardwired to choose the easy way. You know, to choose the as you you know, and you have to work for a long time with people to get that energy from them in the room. We all know that, you know, that's that's in our job description in a sense. But at the same time, though, this deeper, you know, C.S. Lewis calls it the deeper magic. Yeah, this deeper thing, this deeper connection, that that dipping your fingers into the well of souls. There's a good book that I've been reading this week called, uh, I've read it before, you might have come across it, it's called The Philosophy of Tolkien. Um, and it's it's not an academic book, it's it's a book, book written uh, very much for for people who just like Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, C.S. Lewis, Narnia and, and, and Star Wars and, and, and stuff that I like. But um, it's very well written theologically and philosophically. And it speaks of uh, the magic, uh, which, of course, is in inverted commas that Ian refers to. It thinks of energies. What's really exciting is, you know, I've said it before, the, the, 
The Ways of the Soul book by Dr. Andrew Powell, the psychiatrist, is really worthy in the future of having, you know, a, a, a study oh. really done, a discussion. Um, and, and the truth is we need to, whenever the church has leapt forward every 500 years in terms of reformation, it has been led theologically and biblically, not administratively. Mm-hmm. And the question that we have to ask, because we are 500 years uh, since Calvin and, and Luther, the, the question is, what is the theological reformation that we need to make, uh, which is biblically led and, and theologically led? And, um, you know, we can talk about all these other wee things, but what will bring people back to the faith, not necessarily to the church as we know it, will be a theology uh, that is biblically based, that they believe, and it reflects reality. Um, and, and, you know, I, I would love to hear what people think theologically. That kind of brings us into this kind of... Albert talked about it, and I uh, brought it up a couple of times. It was the refining and purifying, you know, a few times this mm. and And I'm thinking... That, that's like because I I feel I don't quite know what God's doing right now, but I feel that there is a refining and a purifying going on that I really do believe is going to lead to some kind of reformation, you know, again. And yeah, it, it really does, you know, because I've started to really kind of consider where, where's it going to go, what's it going to mean. And I think there's something in here about, uh, again, I think it's about, you know, a more, um, I think we need to get away from, like, denominations and, you know, it could maybe better go into Albert, because Albert's been the one that's been uh, thinking about refining and purifying. I I was was... thinking about the Holy Spirit, but but you, sorry. Old Albert talks. <laughs> what are you going to say? Ian? No, 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 listen, respect, man. No, no. What I was going to say was though that, but isn't it the case that all around the world, people are connecting in this kind of way? Isn't yeah. it the case that they must dip their fingers in that well of souls? Isn't that the case? Isn't it the case that people across? from America to Scotland or from Scotland to another part of Scotland or even next door to next door because of social distancing people are making sacrifices let us not forget the vast majority of the UK population as demonstrated by the statistics is playing by the rules is social distancing and is doing what they're told and why are they doing it? They're not doing it for themselves they're doing it for their fellow man and right there and thank, a Christian thank God for our scientists our scientists who have developed at world-leading level uh, the vaccines. And and congratulations to our politicians. Uh, Irrelevant of political uh, tribalism um, that uh, that we are rolling out the vaccine. Um, And a friend of mine is one of the leading um, immunologists and, you know, they have worked so hard and so quickly to develop these vaccines. Um, and and I th- again, I think we have to uh, be very grateful for the work that has been done. And it's, it's as you well know, Ian, it's gone across nations, uh, these academics that have developed these vaccines. And it takes us back to, to the notion of the very small being very important. Uh, obviously, we had the coronavirus, which is very small. 
and cork-like, but, but so are the vaccines. And um, to operate at that level of smallness is quite extraordinary. Um, so I would just like to chalk one up tonight for the, the people that develop these very small vaccines. Hey, I so tied in with all this, is, and this is the period where I think Laura and Ian and all of you, if we could tie in this a big idea, you're talking about what is the next reforming, reformation that's bringing about. This has been global. This yeah. has been a global pandemic. It's, it's touched the whole world. And I think with that, there has been, I wonder if people are starting to look in on themselves in their isolation, but longing, and this is where I'm trying to lead us this month, but longing for communion in their isolation, longing and discovering holiness. Yes. Like those who are going, even in some of the programs on television, I've been noticing there was a tele program last night about Ireland and the, it, Adrian Dunbar was actually going to the distant places and he was talking about the monks who went in search in, of, 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 to distance themselves in order to engage with God. And somehow, sometimes in our distancing, I wonder if people are being drawn closer to God. So that's the yeah, holiness. I've been working. That's the holiness. I've been working. And the communion, the longing for communion, and then the search for freedom, who am I really? How can I break? And I think they're going to be talking about this in Sunday, in the service on Sunday, breaking free from death into a new life, into a whole new understanding of, of what eternity is about, and then love. Yeah. So these four words, freedom, communion, love, and holiness, are all part of this whole story of the parable of social distancing. Yeah, uh, I've been I've been working this week on um, a, a pilgrimage walk, uh, which is a, a mixture of really good fun, but also um, uh, healing, and and it involves Kelly St Michael and and thinking about St Michael's Way and things like that. Um, but the, for me, the the interesting thing is people search for holiness, and reverence, and and a sense of providence and mightiness, which at times individualism and palsiness doesn't doesn't get us to the point. And we spoke about this on Sunday. And um, it, it's, re it's really quite interesting how there, there seems to be this yearning now globally for, for people to recognise um, the providence of God in their lives and in the lives of the whole world. Um, and and this comes out through things like pilgrimages now, this restoration of wanting to to um, be in touch with both nature but also the creator. Mm -hmm. And these are often people that won't go to church, which is quite fascinating. But it's wonderful though, isn't it? I'm going to be a bit of a, oh, I'll be unpopular with a lot of people now, but isn't it wonderful that church has been brought out of church? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, church without walls church. is Albert knows. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But who really is church without walls? It, it, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I butted in slightly there with Albert when he was talking about, you know, those things about freedom, um, love. These things are not bound by 
four walls. They're not bound by distance. These are things that transcend all of that stuff. And it's so wonderful that people are... Re- I'm so blessed that I'm rediscovering that. I'm rediscovering that I, I don't need to be in the same room or whatever, but what I do need to do is be present when I am present yeah. with other people online yeah. or on the phone or whatever, Just be or on an email, be present. Um, and, and I think to, to feel that Holy Spirit, Laura, as you are feeling, and I, I, as I'm sure, you know, I, it, it would be difficult in my profession to call it the Holy Spirit, um, but to get that feeling, if you see what I mean, and, and I, would, I, I don't want to call it that because that would be to disrespect a lot of my patients who don't believe in God, and I, and I respect them fully, so that's their thing. Um, but there is a feeling, and that feeling is real. It's a real thing, and it's tangible. And it exists, and it's always there, and we can tap into it. And it's like a, it's like a bit of the sense of my brain. A little bit of my brain was, it just didn't work so well. About a year ago, it just wasn't quite working as well as it as it should. And then suddenly, this te- okay, a terrible thing happened, and it is terrible. I can't underplay that. But that little bit of my brain began to work again. That wee antenna started to tune in again. And I started to become part of the stream, part of the living consciousness that is humanity. And uh, I think, in fact, I believe, flows from God. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, yeah. is whenever we, uh, you know, go back to normal, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't want to lose that. You know, I want to stay in that flow, you know, in that, in that stream, um, not for it to... Not to get caught back up in all the all the the way of doing things before, because this is a gift. Mm. It is. I would I would agree with you. I wonder. Um, despite. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Just despite the challenges which we 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 all have to acknowledge and the suffering that people are going through, and people have lost their jobs, uh, the increase in food banks. These these are all things that 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 we do need to face down as a society in the future. And the church needs to have a, a strong voice there. But um, there have been good things that have been forced upon us that, that as Ian um, and Laura have said, that, that somehow we've learned what we were missing before, um, which, which is really quite fascinating. And I think that will be part of the reformation of the church for the next 500 years, if I'm honest. I wonder if I could read something Stop. that... It's going to be published tomorrow and Sanctuary First. And it picks up with something that Laura was saying and we're talking about. Um, If I can read it, it says, To see the glory, you must be holy. This longing after holiness. Psalm 84 is often sung at communion services for the Church of Scotland. To hear it sung by over a thousand commissioners in the Hall of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland is, as they say in Scottish vernacular, an experience better felt than telt. The psalm invites us to visualise the glory and the splendour of God. It's a psalm of distancing and challenge in which the whole company of bystanders declares the requirements needed to enter into the courts of such a holy God. 
It is only through the cross of Christ that sinful bystanders like you and I can find our hands clean and our hearts pure. And we stand in amazement asking, how can this be? And, and the prayer, the thought is, oh, we could almost write a song for this day. And this is a, the, the beginning of, of our song. Oh, glorious, oh, glorious King, amazing friend, a thousand and a numbered more stand with us ashamed and blessed, forgiven and restored. Our hearts adore, our hearts adore. We sing a song for millions o'er. And we carry silver cups and plates, poor symbols of your glory, not our wealth. And we sing of doors and lifted gates, and we break the bread and we drink the wine, and we bow ourselves before your throne. And in the silence we define ourselves as yours. So come purifying fire of God, burn up the dross within our lives, make us into a wholesome people, living out the gospel sequel, seeking justice shaped by mercy, living out the gospel message, let refining fire be our cross and holy distancing our joy. I was just reflecting what that feels like in the General Assembly. Those of you who have never been there for a communion service, it is quite awe-inspiring. Yeah. And it's very formal. Strange, yeah. Strangest of strange things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's holy ground at that moment. Um, the, the, there's that tangible sense of of presence um, that, that's quite magnificent. Quite magnificent. Um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 I can feel it, actually. You know, as you were reading these beautiful words, I could... I could picture myself there being lifted up um, into the presence of God. And, and yet it is remarkably, I guess, old fashioned and traditional. But there's something in that. There's something in the history. Um, yeah. Scott, I, I think it's that. I, I mean, I, I've, I've experienced something like, you know, I've never experienced that. Um, I'd love to. Um, I'm not called to be a minister of God like you guys um, but I'm just a simple kind of guy getting through his life but um, I remember the first time I heard people singing in tongues round about me in a wee church in uh, uh, St Andrews I, I have, I, I've been a musician my entire life and I've played in hundreds of records now and do you know what I have never heard something more beautiful than what I heard that day. And I could never understand it or make sense of it or work out what harmonies were going on. But people were caught up in the very spirit of God. I know. Yeah. And they weren't touching to do it. They were simply in communication. And that could have been online or in a hall or in a street or on a walk. But the spirit of God came upon them, and my goodness, I—I I don't know. That just sealed my faith right there, right then. I mean, I think Ian, you and I over the years, when we've played together in a band and we've been out on the road sharing the gospel, there have been moments where we have felt the this awesome presence of God sweeping around 
the whole the whole yeah. place. Yes. You know, but many times it is quite literally the best feeling in the world. There is there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Um, you know, people look for drugs, they look for all sorts of things in their life to try and feel that feeling. And actually, all they really need to do is just sit and be quiet and be still and know that God is God. And that feeling can... Do you know what I mean? That That's how difficult it is. It's not hard. Uh, it's easier when we're in communion. Um, and it's really difficult when we're not right with ourselves. But that's why there are so many paths to become right with ourselves. So we can yeah. enjoy yeah. that space. Yeah. Um, but people listening to this podcast, go- there'll be people out there that feel this way. They feel that, but I could never settle down. I think too much. I could never, could never feel that way. The point is, sometimes you need a journey to find what works for you. But it will never be in a chemical it will never be that. It will be natural. Do you know? If you're having difficulties, go and walk along beside the seashore and stop. Close your eyes and actually listen to the sound of the sea. If you're up a mountain, stop talking. Look around you. Do you know what I mean? If it's a cold, starry night, go out and look up at the stars and do you know what, if it's pelting down with rain which it is here pretty much all of the time do you know what stand outside for a wee bit and just listen to the rain listen to all that ground being fertilised listen to that cycle of life happening in front of you part of these raindrops comes from the stars some of these raindrops might come from people that that were your ancestors half a you know, a couple of thousand years ago. This is the cycle of life. Know that it's true and, yeah. and rejoice. Absolutely. You've got, you know, it's now, we've overdone our hour, but, you know, there shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of God. There shall be seasons refreshing straight from the Father above. And as we song, showers of blessing. The mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. But we look for a storm, a tsunami, a soul tsunami that might just blow through our land and bring about change and renewal in the world. Uh, and that's what we're, that's our expectation. So this month in Sanctuary First, that's where we're heading. We're going down this whole road of social distancing, but exploring this experience in order that we might find ourselves being drawn closer to God. It's a great, it's a great opportunity. And if you've not done anything, Laura, do you want to give the plug for the, for for the connect groups this month? Oh yes, a heart. So um, we we're having a focus on our connect groups because well, it's nearly Lent, and this is the time when a lot of people, you know, want to do a wee study, um, and so we have um, we have a, a booklet for Lent. Um, and it, what we're doing is is we're promoting our connect groups because it'd be really great. Our community's growing, so it'd be really great for people to come together or perhaps set up their own connect group. Um, on Monday night, um, we'll be having another live on Facebook 
um, Connect Group. That was great fun we had this week um, with a few technical difficulties, but it still was great fun. Um, we will have some details up, I think, um, at the start of the week of the of actually what days the, the some of the Connect Groups are already on um, and how you can get in touch if you want to join. And then on not a week on Monday, I will be starting a six week long connect a live connect group on Instagram. So we're moving from Facebook on a Instagram. Um, so it's because uh, Albert, you've got a connect group. I've got a connect group. Um, we're going to do a joint connect group at some yes. point as well. Yes. So listen, if you want to see this material, what you do is you go onto the website. And you go up to the, the, the bar at the top where it says themes and resources. Click on that and there's a drop down bar and see, you'll see connect groups. Click on that and that will take you through to the material. You'll see it social distancing and you can go right through that. And there's, it's, 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 a, it's in bold so you can click on different bits. It'll tell you about anything that's in bold, click on it because it will take you and have a look at the side for the videos on your on your right hand side as you go down there's a, at least the there's five, there's there's going to be five videos on social distancing and there's another four that's going to be done leading into man of sorrows so the, there's a two two months of bible study of connect group material that you can look at and it's all up on the site at the moment and uh, if there'll be videos being added to that as well so it's well worth having a, if you've not looked around the website for a while, it's well worth going because there's lots of things on it worth looking at. And it's now 10 past the hour. Bedtime. We've overshot <laughs> our time. <laughs> yeah. Sunday, love to catch up with you Sunday at, um, at 3.30. And it's James Cathcart and Scott um, Scott Harmon. Pardon? 3pm. 3pm, did I say 6.30? 3pm, sorry. 3pm on on Sunday. Okay? Thank you. Take God care. bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thank you.